We are on a Canada Day road trip on a little more conversation with Ben O'Hara Byrne. Good evening, and thanks for tuning in to a very special A Little More Conversation. This is our second annual cross-Canada road trip. We mark the Canada Day long weekend with a journey from east to west, as far east as St. John's, all the way west to Victoria on Vancouver Island, with stops off at seven great other spots in five other provinces on the way, from big to small capitals to places that may be a little more out of the way. Last year, we focused on provinces and territories as a whole, but this year, we're zooming in a little bit more to cities and communities that are of real interest and to find out what they have planned for this summer and beyond. So buckle up, turn that radio up. Let's hit the road. And what better place to begin than the biggest city on Canada's East Coast and one of the most attractive spots in the entire country. Halifax is steeped in history, built around one of North America's most strategically important ports. And this summer brings a bunch of stuff worth seeing there as well, including the 10th North American Indigenous Games, the Great Outdoors Comedy Festival, and much, much more. I went to Halifax for the very first time in the summer of 1987 and never having spent too much time near the ocean, having grown up in Montreal, I was absolutely blown away by just how beautiful it was, how much there was to do, the people there, the food, all of it. And having been back quite a few times over the years, mainly for work, unfortunately, it is a place that always sees you promising to return again. It's also a great jumping off point for any trip through Nova Scotia. And there's so much to see in that province. So let's begin our A Little More Conversation Canada Day road trip tonight in Halifax. And to guide us through this leg of the journey, joining me now is Claire Tidby, Vice President of Marketing at Discover Halifax. Claire, thank you so much. Welcome to the A Little More Conversation Canada Day road trip. Thanks for having me, Ben. So tell me, I mean, you, you've, you've been saying, I mean, a lot of people, it feels like everyone wants to be back out there. And clearly Halifax is uh, is seeing that this year. It is, absolutely. We do a lot of comparisons to 2019. And we're happy to say that we've been beating our numbers, our occupancy numbers, 2019 uh, numbers, all the way through the year up until this point. So uh, definitely some pent-up demand in coming out east and uh, and experiencing what we have here in Halifax. I guess you must be seeing people from right across the country and across the U.S. as well, right? People just head head to the Maritimes and Halifax is an obvious place to stop. Yes, definitely. I think that many people, um, even new Canadians or people who've never been to Canada before, have considered coming out east. I think that because we have um, such wide open spaces and you can easily get here very accessible, we're noticing that there are... Um, there are a lot of first timers coming to Halifax over the last little bit and uh, happy to happy to have them visit. Yeah, they'll be lining up for the donair. I can see it already. The, uh, <laughs> I love the wall, absolutely. I think the first time I went to Halifax was in the summer of 86. It might have been 87, but I remember how awesome it was. I grew up in Montreal, so I didn't spend a lot of time at the beach uh, or on the ocean growing up. Um, mm-hmm. So much to do in the summer, though, in Halifax. And what are some of the what are some of the big highlights that are always there? Because I know you have some special events coming up this year, too. For sure. Ben, you, you've only been here once. Is it only in 86? No, I've been, I've been there many times since, but I remember the fir- you always remember the first time you go to a place because you're struck by by how great it is, right? For sure. I think that you probably would see that it's changed a lot. So there are a lot of people who have come here for the first time, or even if you haven't been here in the last uh, five, ten years, you've noticed that it's uh, changed a lot. I think some of the things that people don't know about Halifax, if they've not been before, would be that 
Um, we're actually about the same size, size as Prince Edward Island geographically. So we have you know, this vibrant downtown core that's expanding. We're one of the fastest growing cities in, in uh, the country. Um, but you can also drive 20 minutes out of town, 30 minutes out of town, and you can be on a beach, white sand beach. You'd be the only person there, you know, maybe somebody throwing a, a stick for a Labrador. But uh, you've got a lot of wide open spaces as well, which is, you know, it's really compelling for people who might be coming in from the bigger cities, wanting to get a big gulp of fresh air. So, yeah, we do have a lot of things that are going on that always go on that we're, you know, well known for. So our Jazz Fest is going to be happening. Um, we've got uh, Feist and Shaggy are going to be here. It's going to be a, a, a fun time on the waterfront. We also have uh, things like the tattoo, which uh, which are, you know, regular staples that people would be familiar with. But then there's a lot of, as you say, a lot of great new events that will be happening this year. I mean, the museums are always great too. I always think, I always think of the of of the Canadian Museum of Immigration, right? Which mm-hmm. wasn't there the last. I mean, I think I've been there for work many times. Hadn't had a lot of mm-hmm. chance to sort of get out and explore, other than just to walk around and look. Uh, but some really cool museums to go look at as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, this is a city that is one of the oldest in in the country uh, as far as a settler uh, visitation. There is settlers uh, in in Canada. Uh, we have the Citadel, which is uh, from 1857. The uh, noon gun has been sounding every day uh, since 1867 at noon, and you can actually go inside the Citadel uh, with the original barracks, and it's a national historic site that you can experience sort of hands on. Um, we also, as you say, have the Pier 21, which is the National uh, Museum of in- Immigration. They're constantly updating uh, the material in there. Um, just absolutely beautiful work that they do, which is, you know, it, it sort of arrests the soul a bit that uh, you're seeing this place where so many settlers have joined and they've left everything in, in Europe or further beyond and have come into Canada and, you know, had their first step into this the soil. So really, really touching, touching stories there. We do have a lot of people who come here specifically for that, uh, that uh, museum. I was noticing on your website that you have some uh a lot of people commenting on on cool walking tours as well. I mean, obviously the the Great Explosion is is a tragedy, but people still mm-hmm. come to sort of do the walking tour around it as well. There's a lot of history in Halifax, uh, obviously. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, we've uh, you know because it is a, a city that was you know originally people walked through or, or only took uh, horse and carriage. Sometimes it's easier to walk it than uh, than it is to drive. So it is a very very walkable city. You can get through the peninsula quite easily. Uh, we also have one of the longest running ferry services. I'm sure Ben, if you've been here before, you would have been uh, over to Dartmouth um, on the ferry. And I don't know if you saw, but. Uh, just uh, on the 23rd of June, Globe Mill um, put it out as one of the it neighborhoods in the country. Uh, Dartmouth, so right? downtown, downtown Dartmouth is just thriving. It's got beautiful restaurant scene and you can hop on the ferry for just a little over two bucks return. And uh, one of the best uh, best cruises you can take. The price is right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you really need to. You really, really need to go explore, right? That's the beauty of a place like Halifax is you need to get out. It's great to see the, the, the main things in the city itself, but it's good to get out a little bit too and have a look around. Totally, and you know, you just don't have to go very far to be in quite a different uh, environment. You know, compared to you know some larger centers where you might be, you know, in the downtown core for quite some time. It's uh, if you're in your car, you can get out of the city very, very quickly and, and into some really interesting communities because the city is so big. We actually, I think it's just over 200 unique little individual amalgamated towns that have come together to make, you know, the Halifax regional municipality. So, you know, you can have these little tiny fishing villages that are a part of the city technically that we represent here at Discover Halifax, but in fact, like have 
really distinct um, personalities and, you know, their own cultural events, their own museums. It's really wonderful. I've always thought that Halifax should have a CFL team, but I know you have an annual CFL event, which is, you know, I don't know if it makes up for a touchdown Atlantic, <laughs> but this year you have uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who are some of the most loyal and 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 prominent fans in the league. So you're going to have uh, playing the Argonauts. So you're going to have a, a big CFL weekend as well coming up in late July. We do. Yeah. July 29th, there's a game uh, here. It'll be held at St. Mary's University. And those Rough Riders fans, the city just goes green for right. Uh, for the full weekend, and actually, most uh, most of our uh, Rough Riders fans that came last year, they stayed for a week. You know, they stayed here for a full vacation, so they definitely take over the city. It's a fantastic uh, environment. They will be playing the Argos. It's it's such a funny thing that um, hardly even mention the Argos because the Rough Riders yeah. fans are, are so uh, so prominent when they're here. But that should be a lot of fun. Definitely, they they have been coming here here annually. Yeah, home game for the Ruffies in in Halifax. <laughs> a long way from home. Funny to say. Yeah. yeah. A big event coming up this year for you as well, which is the uh, which is the Indigenous the tenth North American Indigenous Games. That's right. Yes. So uh, Halifax or Jabuktuk is the going to be the proud host of the North American Indigenous Games that'll be hosted here July fifteenth through the twenty third. Um, have you ever been to an Indigenous Games, Ben? I haven't. I haven't been to this one. No, I've been to other sort of provincial games, but never that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be the biggest. We had the Canada Games in 2011. I was um, proud to be a part of that. Uh, this will be twice as big. Uh, there's going to be over 5,200 athletes here over uh, from 750 communities across um, across North America. And they'll be participating in 16 sports. I think the thing that is going to be amazing, you know, just beyond the like the, the size and the scope, uh, is that there's going to be a, just as big of a cultural component to this event. Um, our commons, which are right by our Halifax Citadel, will be taken over by a huge cultural event to host the athletes and to bring the community in. Uh, it's going to be an absolutely wonderful week uh, here in Halifax, uh, mid-July. Yeah, no, that one's definitely one to look forward to. And then, of course, there's the comedy festival, which you always have, which which is a, which is a big outdoor event, right? Well, actually, this is uh, so we do have a, the Halifax Comedy Fest is an annual event that happens in the spring, and that's what's often televised. Um, we actually do have the uh, great outdoor comedy fest that will be occurring this year, which is new to Halifax, coming from the west, and it's their first time here in Halifax. They sold uh, sold out their first two shows quite quickly. There's still some tickets left for the others, but. Um, yeah, Seinfeld will sell, sorry, Seinfeld will be here as well. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so there's some big, big headliners. That'll be also uh, walking distance from downtown, and uh, it'll be in August. Uh, we're expecting it to be, you know, very well attended. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize that's, of course, the big one is in the spring. This one is new. I, I didn't realize that when I was looking at your site that this one is actually different from before. Uh, all that being said, you have all this stuff going on, including the, the 10th North American Indigenous Games, the Comedy mm -hmm. Fest, the usual stuff, uh, you know, the big football game in late July. I guess if you want to go to Halifax this year, you better plan ahead. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome to come. There's still room, but you may want to pick your dates. There's definitely, uh, yeah, there's uh, uh, July and August are traditionally very busy for us. Uh, and they they will be busy this year. You know, we're, we do have some extra capacity coming in with some new hotels that are online, but uh, definitely uh, would want to be booking ahead if you're coming in. Um, August is a, should be um, a little easier to find accommodations because the Indigenous Games uh, will not be here in August. Uh, and I also encourage, I know that this is a summertime feel, but, you know, September is 
probably the most beautiful month we have here in Halifax and uh, the, the hits keep going in September as far as some of the activities that we've got here with our film festival and fringe festival and a lot of our arts uh, scene really kicks in when the university students get back in September. So um, yes, there's still plenty of room uh, and we'd love to have more visitors. I think that uh, the other thing you might want to consider is if you're coming to Halifax is because, you know, we, we do have such a wonderful rural community that there are these beautiful cottages and seaside resorts and you know little villages that are uh still welcoming guests uh which you know can really soothe the soul and regenerate people when they're coming in from the city yeah you don't have to worry too too much about huge amounts of traffic and so on if you stay just a little bit out of town i imagine if you're willing to sort of drive and park you can do that as well well yeah and i think you know our drive and park is 25 minutes right yeah it's not toronto (laughs) it's not toronto i get you exactly (laughs) Exactly. You don't have to go that far out of town to be uh, to to feel like you're in a different uh, different world. What about people who uh, who are camping or sort of uh, trying to do that? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got great camping all the way up uh, both shores. So um, Halifax, you know, geographically, you can drive about an hour south and you're kind of in the Peggy's Cove region, uh, which obviously is beautiful, beautiful rocky shores, a lot of small villages there, uh, wonderful communities like Hubbard's, uh, which has like a really you know, punches above us weight for uh, a lot of great music. Um, local musicians as well as international musicians play some some pretty great shows there. Then you can drive north for about two hours and still be in, in Halifax. Uh, so there's a little town called Ekamsekum, which is on our border. Ekamsekum. Uh, Ekamsekum. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so there's, you know, you can um, drive up through a place called Clam Harbor, and Clam Harbor has a has a sandcastle building contest in August that has about 10,000 people that uh, that inundate that little community. Always encourage families to to go check that out. But uh, great camping in those areas, really great little community community places to stay, and uh, you know, great accommodations throughout. And, and while you're there, of course, you can always head up to Cape Breton and do that kind of stuff, too. There's so much to see in Nova Scotia, period. There's so much to see right around where you are. But, you know, I've been through the province. It's it's a it's a great place. Oh, absolutely. Like, we know that if somebody's going to spend a week in Nova Scotia, we're happy to have them for two to three days. We know that they're going to go off, see the wine country in the valley. You'll be able to see our, how our ice wines are made, how our, how our beautiful... Um, uh, beautiful wines are made. We've got a Cape Breton with the Cabot Trail. It's just gorgeous. You know, you can't beat it. Nova Scotia is, while we have about a million people, geographically, we're relatively small than any other province in the country. So you can get around the province really quite easily and uh, see a lot of it in a week's time. Well, Claire, uh, thank you so much. Good luck with It sounds like a really busy summer. So I wish I wish all the tourism folks and everyone working in the service industry a lot of luck as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Ben. We started our journey in Halifax in the last half hour, and we now cross over from Nova Scotia to Newfoundland and Labrador to make our way to Canada's oldest city and perhaps, perhaps its most unique, St. John's. The list of things to do there is a really long one from North America's oldest organized sporting event. We'll hear about that. Taking in the wonders of the ocean from icebergs to whale watching, outdoor festivals, a wealth of great pubs and restaurants, lots of music, lots of comedy. The city has a taste of absolutely everything. I have an aunt and cousin who live right in downtown St. John's in one of those amazing, colorful houses those that you see light up the place uh, and are really so iconic. I've been there quite a few times and it really does feel like you've stepped in to a different place altogether. But every tour needs a tour guide. And to help us find our way around is Paul Bouguet, acting CEO of Destination St. John's. Thank you so much. Welcome to the road trip. Thanks, Ben, for having me. 
Well, I mean, there is no, I mean, there's lots of nice times of the year to go to Newfoundland, but, uh, but St. John's in the summer is, is, is pretty special. Uh, I've been hearing from everybody that the tourists are back and I'm wondering, it must be the same for you. We are so excited. You know, our key season has kicked off in May and we are just seeing lots of visitors from all over Canada and certainly from other parts of the world. Um, we've been so blessed that St. John's has been on the radar and bucket lists of people for a long time. And now travel is returning and we are seeing that um, in droves with planes full of people and lots of people in our downtown core. So what are they coming to do? I mean, I know there's lots to do in and around the ocean. There's lots of great food to be had. You know, there's culture, there's there's pubs, there's all sorts of things going on. But what are people really excited about this year? You know, we were lucky in 2020 to uh, take the oldest street in North America, which is called Water Street, and we turned it into a pedestrian mall when the rest of Canada was locked down. And it has been a real success. So it really becomes this outdoor extravaganza full of food and entertainment and beer and wine and great beverages um, with entertainment throughout. So it's become a real attraction and it's now in its fourth year. And it's really important for us this year because so many of our guests are actually able to visit St. John's this year and have the uh, the routes and the capability to get here. So very exciting. And our whale population continues to increase. Um, and of course, prime whale viewing season is in the summer. So our boat tours are extremely busy and we've had icebergs back this year as well. So all very exciting. Wow. I mean, you say it so casually and it's such a big deal. I mean, I'm out here in Victoria. We have whales, too, but there aren't many places, uh, you know, not many places you can go whale watching and see icebergs. We certainly don't have icebergs out here. We've been really fortunate this year. You know, it is certainly um, a product of climate change. Um, You know, when we don't see the icebergs because the Labrador Sea is warming up so quickly compared to other bodies of water. Um, But certainly in just a community right outside St. John's, it's twilling gaze. Icebergs have been in mammoth proportion. You have some great festivals in the summer. I remember being there for Folk Fest, um, which is a big, huge one. Tell me a bit about that one. So the Folk Festival has been around for decades, and it largely takes place in one of our beautiful city parks, which is called Bannerman Park. And they use various other venues to showcase artists. Um, But it is an outdoor music festival, and it's actually this year located right next to a historic structure that opened last year for the first time to the public. So our colonial building, when we joined Canada, it is now open for the public for tours and it's located right next to that park. Um, So it's very, it's a great place to have a festival. It's a great place for people to come with their families, take it easy um, and enjoy. And in the winter, that park actually becomes what we call affectionately the loop where people skate. Um, So we put down a skating rink. What a great idea. I've always loved the story of the Royal St. John's Regatta because I gather it's one of the it's it is the oldest uh, organized sporting event on the continent. And there's actually a public holiday that depends on the weather, which I thought was was amazing. Yes. And we here in St. John's are known for playing what we call regatta roulette. So what happens is it's a weather dependent holiday. So people play the game Tuesday night. Well, will I have to work or will I not? And some people may have a beverage or two or three too many often. And if they have to crawl into work on Wednesday, the regatta gets moved to the following day on Thursday. (laughs) But you do get so and this is it it is a really historic event. I, I, I knew about it, but without knowing the full the full history of it. It is it is the oldest sporting event in North America, and it's called the Royal St. John's Regatta because it is um, something that started when we were part of the British Empire. And as you probably know, we were the last province to join Canada. 
Um, it is still very connected to our royalty um, and our heritage and our culture, um, but it is a large ra- a series of races that take place around Kittivity Lake, um, which is kind of in the heart of St. John's. Visitors and locals alike, um, thousands and thousands of people will crowd around the lake to watch these races and take part in attractions and food booths. Um, and it's a real day of celebration. Right. And that's the first Wednesday in August, first Wednesday in August, quote unquote, weather permitting. I, that's, that's a, yeah, and with the St. John's, the, the weather could change, right? If you don't like it this hour, just hold on, right? Absolutely. Just hold on. You could have four seasons in one day. There's lots of other interesting stuff going on that's that's continual. So no matter what time of, of year, no matter what time of the summer you, you find yourself in St. John's, you have outdoor movie screenings, which I thought sounded really cool. You have busker events and so on. So there's things you can do that just uh, that are happening the whole summer. Absolutely. You know, our downtown core is known for our buskers being on every corner and all of them with a great story and great musicians of every type. Um, George Street is one of our great known tourist attractions where live music and entertainment and food and pubs take place 365 days a year without exception. Um, and of course, our cultural sites and our beautiful parks, which are open year round, um, just provide visitors that connection to nature unlike anywhere else. Yeah, I've spent some time on George Street and on Water Street, but I haven't seen it in its new pedestrian form. And that's a, such a great idea. It's right down, like almost right down on the water. So it's, that's a, an amazing place to have a pedestrian only area for people to go hang out in. Uh, clearly, St. John's, people can use it as a jump off point as well. There's lots to see within striking distance of the city. Absolutely. So from St. John's, you can easily take a quick visit out to Petty Harbor or Maddox Cove, and you can see some of these great fishing communities. There are great things to see and do in those communities. Um, we like to say in St. John's, you can hub and spoke, if you will, for the island. So, you know, you can have your hub here in St. John's, but you can spoke out to see a multitude of attractions and experiences. Yeah, there's even St. Pierre and Miquelon. If you feel like going to France, it's a, it's a bit more of a journey. It's it's a little bit of a longer spoke, but uh, you can do it. You can indeed. And from the St. John's International Airport, a 22-minute flight will take you to France, to the islands of St. Pierre and Miquelon, and you will re- need your passport. But one of the things that people love to do is say, I went over to dinner in France while I visited Newfoundland and Labrador. You can't beat that. Uh, in terms of just accommodation and planning in advance and so on, I know because it's busier this year than it has been and people are coming back and lots of people are there. What do you recommend in terms of just sort of making sure that you have all your ducks in a row uh, before you turn up? I really think it's important for you to make sure you've got your accommodation settled. And if you're someone that's not going to avail of public transport and you're looking for a rent-a-car to make sure that you've availed of getting your rent-a-car booked, There's also a service that's offered here called Toro that people may or may not be familiar. It's very similar to Airbnb, but for cars. So um, I would just recommend to make sure you've got your accommodations taken care of and your rent a car. Um, And generally, um, you know, there are tons of uh, experiences and attractions that you're welcome to decide on when you get here. Uh, uh, I would also recommend for people to visit our provincial tourism site and, of course, our site, DestinationStJohns.com. Yeah, a car rental can be a bit of a bit of an adventure sometimes if I remember if I remember correctly. Like don't 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 think you could just turn up and rent one. No, don't just show up at the airport and go, I need to rent a car, because it's probably not going to happen. Uh, any any parting words of advice for uh, for folks this year if they're thinking of maybe I mean St. John's is well worth the trip anytime, but uh I, I mean July and August are great. September too, though, the end of the summer is a great time to be there. 
September is beautiful. We have an incredible fall that goes right into October. Um, and if you are someone that loves the various colors of, of the changing of the season, this is the place you want to be. Um, and of course, we're known for colorful people, colorful houses, and colorful encounters. Come see the colorful trees. Well, I'll leave it there, Paul. You can't, you can't end it better than that. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Ben. It was great. And now we head west to another place that's absolutely steeped in history. There is perhaps no city in this country that feels like a step back in time and a step onto a different continent than Quebec City. The old part of Quebec is the only walled city north of Mexico and a UNESCO heritage site. And if that weren't enough to lure you there, there's the mighty St. Lawrence, the Plains of Abraham, Ile d'Orléans, Montmorency Falls, big festivals, and a ton of good food and drink as well. I had my first radio job in Quebec City, so I lived there for several months way back when. The office actually looked out onto the one of the gates into the old city, so it really felt like being in some place somewhere in Europe. I haven't been back in way too long, but it really is a magical spot. And it turns out these days, it's much easier to get to from other parts of the country than it used to be. So we're going to park the A Little More Conversation vehicle. Best to hit old Quebec on foot for now. And to help us do the whole Quebec City tour is Patrick Lemire. He's an account executive in on the international marketing team with Destination Quebec City. Patrick, thank you. Welcome to the Roadshow. Bonjour. Hi. Thanks for having me. This is, I mean, uh, Quebec is a really beautiful, stunning and unique place in this country at any time of year. But for those who have only maybe been there for carnival in the winter, uh, summertime is a really cool time to be in the city because there's so much going on. Are you getting a lot of tour? I, I get the sense you're getting a lot of tourists back. Actually, Quebec, Quebec City performed very well since the recovery post-pandemic. There's something with Quebec that uh, is, it has a human-sized city. It's not such a big city with lots of traffic. It preserves this uh, authenticity with the architecture, the history. So, uh, and also one of the game changers that Quebec has never been that accessible. Yep. We have direct connection now from Vancouver, uh, Calgary this summer, also with Flair from Edmonton and Halifax. Wow. And also we have Delhi flight for sure from Toronto and Ottawa, but uh, it's a game changer. The fact that people can now fly directly from Vancouver to Quebec city. And it, it's, it's, it's going to be annual flight actually. So, the one that wants to come this winter, they will have the opportunity to to see the Ice Hotel for the first time or to experience the Winter Carnival for the first time as well. Right, and it's a big 70th anniversary this year too, right? So you're, I know you're prepping for that uh, coming up in the winter. That's uh, that sounds like an exciting one. Yes, yeah, seven decades of winter celebrations in Quebec City. We know how to embrace it. We have so many things to do in winter here with more than four ski resorts, fat bikes, but also Bonhomme Carnaval, which is a contagious uh, giant smile, right. bring a spirit of, uh, of joy and happiness in the winter and everyone gathers and celebrate dance under the snowflakes and the stars. So it's a, it's a great event to experience once in a life. It is for sure. I lived in Quebec City for a while, many years ago, for about six months, and and I remember living through the winter, and it was great because Quebec City does celebrate the fact. I mean, you couldn't not celebrate winter in Quebec City because winter is what it is. But the summers were really pretty spectacular. First of all, it's warm, and second of all, there's there's a lot going on. So you have a huge uh, Quebec City summer festival. I know it's been very popular, but there's big concerts going on this summer. Yeah, Festivalité, fifty fifth edition. It's part of our. Tradition. It's been uh, so many years that uh, people are gathering during uh, July this summer, 6 to 16. We They have Imagine Dragons, Foo Fighters, Green Day, Lana yeah. Del Rey, Pitbull, 
but yeah. I'm just naming the, the headliners, but there are so uh, the, the, the headlights, but there are so many, uh, I don't know what's a good word, but yeah. there are so many great artists, but also less renowned artists that are like more in the emerging scenes, all kinds of styles. So uh, let's say the old Quebec becomes a huge party for 11 days. For those days. And you have, I mean, if you're into, into Quebec music too, there's Cœur de Pirate, Les Cowboys Fringants. There's all these kind of cool Quebec bands as well. And then even if you don't exactly. get into the festival itself, the whole, the whole area becomes sort of festival-esque. So there's lots of other bands playing at places you can go see for free as well. Yes, and first of all, the natural backdrop of it. I mean, the, it's the yeah. only fortified city north of Mexico. Uh, with the architecture, it's the main site is on the plains of Abraham, where happened the, the battle between the French and the British, and it's just right. next to the citadel, the biggest uh, British fortress, and it's really interesting to visit it. Actually, the mil military heritage mm -hmm. of Quebec City, and uh, also the religious heritage. So people, when they experience the the Quebec City Summer Festival, they they really love it. And also in August, it's something that people want to to try is the New France Festival, right. a festival that's a combination of music, history, and food. And it's basically about the first arrival of the French colony uh, from 1534 to... Uh, after what the, the story that we know but it, people they it's a costume festival so they get immersed they even feel like they time traveling back to this time it's like a huge fairy tale uh events where people feel they can they, they are traveling back and having a fun time and for family it's perfect as well yeah i remember that one that, no that's a great the um I, one thing i found really interesting is you set up this summer now of course people often associate quebec city with the winter carnival uh, but you set up something called blizz which is sort of short for blizz Right, you set up, um, which is a pop-up at Momassi Falls Park, which is a great place to go, by the way. And you can kind of get a bit of that winter vibe in the middle of the summer. What is it? Actually, I've, I did not visit it yet, but yeah. I would have, from what I heard, it's a big tent uh, with lots of winter experiences and images. And sometimes it's warm in the summer, so people can have a fresh experience. And at the, in the same time, it's a cool and uh, creative promotion to our winter season. So it's a, it's a good idea to feature our winter during the summertime for visitors because so many Canadians, they visited Quebec City. Sometimes they think, oh, it's Quebec City. I saw the, the old wall and it, it was cool. But what That's else? It. There are yeah. so many things to do in the surrounding, actually. We're only 20 minutes from nature. We have mm -hmm. many mountain bike resorts. We are renowned for that. Uh, lots of parks, uh, uh, Vallée de la Jacques-Cartier. So... There are many things to do, and the Orléans Island. If you love food, you have to. If you've never been there, uh, it's it's a Not huge recently. island. Yeah, and just it's across. A, yeah, ninety-five percent of agro-tourism businesses. So you will get the vineyards, you will get the chocolate place, the cheese, the microbreweries. So you really. If possible, you have a designated driver to to, uh, to join you that day. You will experience so many great products and uh, have a sense of um, being the garden of the city. And also, there are so many well-preserved farmhouses from the 17th and 18th century. So it's almost like a historical tour at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's like going to a little piece of France. I mean, it's it's different, but it's like going to France. I mean, it's quite quite incredible. And if you're in the Montmorency Falls area, um, there's this new train. I know it's been really popular, but you have the first green hydrogen train in all of North America that does this little route, uh, the Train de Charlevoix, it's called. That sounds, I mean, for the rail enthusiasts out there. That sounds yeah, very cool. Yeah, first of all, the fall, it's a real natural wander. It's yeah. uh, 83 meters. You can go over the bridge, you can do zipline of 
over it. They just built a new uh, path along the, the river with a submersive bridge that you can walk just under and feel the breeze of the water. Or you can train going up of the 400 stairs. So it's really a magical site, but you can take the train for sure and along the St. Lawrence River to Charlevoix one of the regions that I like a lot. And I, I actually, I would suggest people to, if they want to do a road trip and explore a little bit the countryside to do maybe the road of the East as Quebec has the gateway. Mm-hmm. Then they go to Charlevoix and Tadoussac to see the whales watching and mm-hmm. the Belugas and the Fjord in the Sagne region. This, these are the places that I visit for my travels in right. Quebec province. And I think that people, if they have a, a seven days in Quebec, they spend three nights in Quebec City Old Town and they explore the area, they will have an amazing trip for sure. So much going on. Uh, Patrick Lemire, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. So uh, if you've never been to Quebec City or if you came before and you thought it didn't change, come back, you'll see there. there's so many things going on and you'll love your, your experience here. Uh, we've been to all kinds of great places already. We're traveling from as far east as St. John's to as far west as Victoria out on Vancouver Island with seven stops in five provinces along the way. We've already been to St. John's, Halifax, and Quebec City. And right now, if you missed those, by the way, you can always listen to our podcast at a littlemoreconversation.com or anywhere where you find your favorite podcasts. But now... We're heading to Ottawa. Well, the national capital region, to be exact, which includes Ottawa and Gatineau on the Quebec side. Now, we often use the word Ottawa somewhat dismissively to refer to the decisions made by the federal government. But the capital and its surroundings is much, much more than just politicians and Parliament Hill. I lived there for quite a few years when I worked there. My mom has lived there for most of the past four decades. So it's a place I know really well. And it's worth exploring a lot of it once you're done the obvious stuff, once you've snapped those selfies in front of the Peace Tower. It's a really great walkable city. There's the Rideau Canal and the locks, which you have to look at. Um, the Ottawa River, more museums than you'll ever be able to visit in one stay. Lots of cool neighborhoods if you venture a little further away from the downtown area and the parliamentary precinct. Lots of good food to add on to that prerequisite beaver tail that you're going to have to have and just a short driver bike ride away and you can find yourself in complete wilderness to guide us around the place and give us a taste of what the summer has in store is Catherine Callery, vice president of, of destination development at Ottawa Tourism. Catherine, thank you so much. Welcome to the Roadshow. Oh, thanks for having me. So I know Canada Day is always the Big one. It sort of kicks off, although it doesn't really. There are other festivals in June that are really great. You have the Tulip Festival and Jazz Fest. Canada Day kind of feels like it kicks off uh, the summer, the summer season. But you have a lot going on this summer. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it's I mean, the dog days of summer, right? That's July and August. So we're going to focus on uh, on on sort of those those classic summer months, but there's so much going on. So many, you know, festivals, but also attractions to see um, no matter when you're in town. So um, definitely lots to talk about today. Right. We always start, I mean, obviously when you come into town, if you look up, if you're sort of coming from the Quebec side or, you know, you look up and you see the parliament buildings hovering over, over, over everything. uh, I guess that's a good place to start on the parliamentary precinct. Always a good place to go visit if you're a tourist. Always. I mean, some and some of the best views are, as you say, when you're coming in from the Quebec side and you're crossing the bridges, the bridges just offer these incredible city views of Ottawa with, um, you know, the parliament and sort of that stately escarpment that it sits on on the parliamentary precinct. And then you've got the Byward Market 
immediately yeah. to your east and uh, and all of the things that you can do in the byword and the independent shops and restaurants and cafes and everything. Yeah. And yeah, you can rugby scrum for a beaver tail. Right. That's always my favorite. How many people end up at that little kiosk where the beaver tail first was, you know, sort of pop, not popularized, but was first permanent because it used to be on the canal. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I dare say they're world famous because, you know, uh, when we had the royal visit coming last year, that was one of the stops. They now King uh, uh, Charles visited the beaver tail stand there when he was in town. So there you Can go. You imagine? Isn't that great? I, I mean, there's so much. There's always lots of I was going to talk about museums and all the things you can do when it rains. Hopefully it doesn't. Uh, but when it when when it's nice out, you have Blues Fest this year, July 6th to 16th looks you have, what a lineup you have. You have Weezer, Shania Twain, Robert Plant and Alison Krauss and many, many, many more. It's it's a big deal, Blues Fest. And what a nice venue it is, too. It's an absolutely gorgeous venue. It's on uh, La Breton Flats. Just, you know, tons of uh, thousands of people converging onto uh, the festival grounds. And like you say, the lineup is just unbelievable. Uh, all of those that you just said, plus Foo Fighters, Mumford and Sons, Brand Van 3000, a whole bunch of them, Death Cab for Cutie. I mean, there's so many great um, acts that come to Blues Fest. It's an absolute uh, gem of a summer festival. Right. Between July 6th and 16th. So coming up uh, and then there are other cultural festivals as well. My mom's in Little Italy. So I know in June you have that 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 whole area around Preston really lights up. But there are many other cultural festivals through the summer as well. Yeah, I mean, Ottawa is such a multicultural city and we have so many first generation Canadians, new Canadians um, and so many communities um, that are in and around the area. So we've got Everything from Ukrainian Fest to uh, Palestinian Fest to Lebanese Fest to just uh, absolutely, you know, every culture uh, imaginable has a, an amazing festival with an array of culinary offerings and music and dance. And so it just lights up the whole uh, community when they happen. Yeah, and, and they often happen outside of the downtown core. So always good to, if you're going to be there, just keep your eyes out for these things because it'll give you a chance to sort of explore. Ottawa, it, it feels like a bit of a small town when you're there. I mean, it's a city and it's a capital, but it it is a massive city geographically, so it's always nice to go and uh, you know go explore some other parts of the city as well. And these cultural festivals are a good a good reason to do so. I know you didn't get any skating on the canal this year, unfortunately, but in the summer, the canal is also a beautiful place to go hang out. Oh, absolutely! And don't forget, the canal is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Whether you're on the canal, whether you're in a you know kayak or paddleboard, or or are lucky enough to be able to uh, boat on the canal and see the lock system that we have here, you can also walk along the canal on either side and uh, and go and check out these really interesting, incredible locks that have been around for you know over a hundred years and uh, and are still using the same technology. And um, it's just a, a beautiful green space right in the heart of the city, just this vein of green space through uh, through the city. But like you say, the downtown is very walkable. And, you know, you can walk from the Byward to um, down Elgin Street. I mean, it's not even that unheard of to walk down the canal to the Glebe, you know, for example, right. all these wonderful neighborhoods to explore on foot and then to go further afield if you um, if you have the, the, the car and the time or a way to get there. Yeah, if it's not too, too hot, you can make it all the way down to Dow's Lake around where Carleton University is, which is a really nice walk as well. So if, if it's nice out, there's always lots of things. And what I always liked about Ottawa, many like much of Canada for that matter, is you know you can be in a really crowded area, walk for about 10 minutes and you'll find yourself nearly by yourself. It's uh, yeah. even on the canal at the height of summer. 
Yeah, I mean, we like to think of it as sort of a human-sized city. You know, we have all of the amenities and and uh, and, and all of that of a city, but at the same time, the population is a million. You know, it's not it's not a huge city as uh, as far as our Canadian cities go, and so you do have. Uh, you know, a lot more space typically around you. Um, and then, like you say, when you get out, because it is a geographically a very large city, um, actually 85% of our city is rural and, uh, and agricultural um, uh, almost. So it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty impressive um, geographic size for a city. And there's so much to explore in the outskirts too. Right. And of course, if it rains, which it sometimes does in the summer, there are, there are, Museums galore, if that's your thing. So you have the you have the National Gallery, uh, you have the War Museum. There are many. There are so many you can go to. You can cross over uh, to the other side uh, into to Gatineau, and and there's museums there. So lots to do when it, when the weather's not so great as well. Yeah, I mean, it's seven national museums that we have here. It is the capital of Canada, so we have many of our beautiful permanent uh, national collections that are exhibited here, and it's well worth the visit to the national museums. But then you also have these community museums, I'm thinking like the Bytown Museum, um, right. Cumberland Museum, uh, all sorts of community um, uh, Ottawa Museum Network museums that are really fascinating to see sort of the history of this particular area and the people who touched it. Um, so yeah, as you say, there's a lot of museums to explore. But you know, we we had a little bit of fun with it. Uh, starting, uh, it started actually last year, and it's gone so well that we're we're just continuing it um, on our on our website at ottawatourism.ca. But we decided, hey, you know what? Ottawa is so well known for museums, um, for our national museums and and our official museums. Let's have some fun and find the really quirky things um, around the city and turn those into museums too, because really? people love museums. Yeah, so we've got. Uh, uh, a bunch of what we call the unofficial museums um, of Ottawa. And so we found everything from vintage shops to coffee, you know, bakeries where they make a, a cross between a waffle and a croissant called right. a croffle. A croffle. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To, uh, to to uh, our zip line, our interprovincial zip line. Um, everything has its own little um, quirky moniker, unofficial museum name, and uh, they're all listed on ottawatourism.ca for anyone who wants to add some some zaniness and some fun to their visit too. Yeah, always. That's always. It's always fun to add a little zaniness and something a little unexpected as well. Uh, Catherine, one thing I found incredible about living in Ottawa is that we often think of sort of the Laurentians as being part of something that's north of Montreal. Mont Tremblant is quite a hike from Montreal, but if you cross from Ottawa, you can be in the Gatineau Hills, which is very much the same thing. In like twenty minutes, you could be in the middle of nature in twenty minutes from Ottawa. Oh, you know, this is one of the strengths of the city. It's um, It's got this vibrant little downtown core, but in 15 minutes, you're on a hiking trail. What do they call that? Like a luge kind of thing right. that you can do on the, on the yeah, at, uh, at yeah, Camp the flume rides, the flume rides. Yeah, or, yeah, I guess like that. yeah. There's some, you know, um, high octane adventure type things that you can do from whitewater rafting or whitewater kayaking to um, some really interesting off the beaten track things like spelunking, uh, which is cave exploring um, right. in the Gatineau Park or at the Bonchere Caves. So there's there's a lot you can do in a very close proximity to Ottawa in terms of outdoor adventure. Right. And some great biking, biking as well, right through that whole area to the Gatineau Park and so on. There's if you're into either cycling or mountain biking, there's lots of that to do and hiking, obviously, and all of it's very close by. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you mentioned cycling. Uh, we've got 800 kilometers of cycle paths um, in the Ottawa area. So people who love to get out and explore on two wheels. 
um, this is the place for you. And there's, there's, or if you don't want to bring your own and you want to uh, get out on a guided cycle tour or something like that of the city or rent a bike, um, you can do that at uh, Escape Bicycle Tours, at Rent a Bike, which is another business in the downtown, and, uh, and at Le Harfang uh, Fat Bikes and Raquettes in Gatineau. So lots of places to rent outdoor equipment and go and enjoy it and, and check it out. And and the Ottawa Valley is always a nice place to go to go see as well. It's different. It's flatter, but it's very nice. Yeah, and you know, if you're here, I mean, I know that we're talking about a, a summer cross country road mm-hmm. trip, but looking ahead to the fall, um, one of the absolutely magnificent times of the year to go to the Gatineau Park is the fall. Of course, we've got Fall Rhapsody, and it's the most amazing changing of the colors. The mo- the the colors are they're just absolutely knock you down with the the vibrancy of the colors of the trees there so like you say it's uh it's it's not hill it, well they're all there are, there are some are hills. hills there's some yeah, hills. There it's just hills. Not as hilly as not hilly. yeah <laughs> but, uh, but there's uh but you know there's definitely relief but it's um it's got this incredible side of uh of beauty as well that is in the summertime or in the fall uh, any advice this year in terms of, I know that we, a lot of people we've been talking to feel like there's a lot of tourists everywhere this summer. People are really out and about. Uh, same thing with Ottawa these days? Yeah, you know, we're really seeing uh, on the tourism side, we're seeing uh, the summer as a rebound year. I think um, probably your listeners are well aware that uh, tourism has taken quite a hit over the last few years. And, um, you know, at times we just couldn't couldn't travel if you wanted to. Um, right. And then, you know, when... Uh, we weren't under some kind of uh, restriction, then there's also just the overall health concern. Now that um, that mostly this is in our rear view mirror, um, people are starting to travel again and they're they're wanting to explore. And so, you know, there's this pent up demand and we're seeing that here in Ottawa too, for sure. Um, not to say it's overrun, it's definitely not. There's lots of uh, beautiful pockets of green space that you can get to, or you can go and, and take part in a festival and and uh, and dance with uh, with crowds of people around you. So there's right. kind of things for everyone to enjoy, but it's uh, definitely a rebound year, and that's a great thing for tourism. Just just for tourists, I mean, one of the things about Ottawa I often remember is that you didn't really have to reserve or plan much in advance, but I get the impression this year you might want to at least have a look to see if there's something you really want to do, uh, have a look to see to make sure that, A, the accommodations are available at a price you like, uh, as well as tickets for what you want to go see. Yeah, I mean, planning ahead is always a, a good a good thing to do, especially when it's a, a time when there's more demand um, and the summertime is, you know, typically some more demand. And then, you know, if you're coming for a festival, you're going to want to plan around that a little bit. You're going to want to plan, you know, somewhere to stay that's close by maybe or or that's strategic in some way. So definitely a good idea to do that. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it's just a great year to come and explore uh, the capital and so much to do in the summertime. I, I would recommend it highly. Right. And there won't be any politicians around either. So there you go. Uh, Catherine, thank you, <laughs> thank, you, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Now, we've hit the halfway point of our journey now. We were just in Ottawa. We're still in Ontario, but an awfully long way from the national capital, way up on the shores of Lake Superior, the second largest lake in the world, of course, by surface area. Uh, that's the obvious main attraction if you're in Thunder Bay, and a booming Great Lakes cruise ship business is testament to that. But it is the biggest city on the massive lake. There's a whole lot more to do while you're there than just marvel at the size of Superior from what's called the Niagara Falls of the North to a ton of outdoor activities. 
and of course a tribute to one of the greatest Canadians, Terry Fox. There is a lot to see and do in Thunder Bay and to tour us around is Paul Pepe. He's manager of Tourism Thunder Bay. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks so much for joining our road trip. Oh, a pleasure to be here, Ben. You know, I know people look at the map and you know, Lake Superior is one of those places that every Canadian should see at some point because it is spectacular. Uh, and it, Thunder Bay is a great jump off point. But I gather a lot of people agree with me. A lot of tourists coming your way this year. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we're, we're uh, experiencing a very busy spring and then the start of summer is looking really good as well for us. Uh, you know, coming out of COVID, uh, you know, we're seeing Canadians are continuing to rediscover Canada. Uh, the American market's wide open again for us. So uh, we're seeing a lot of American licensed places in the city and uh, more and more Europeans are coming back as well. So we're seeing uh, we're seeing an increase across the board from travelers that really just want to experience a, a city that's, you know, intimately connected to the natural environment around it. It really is an outdoor place. I was looking, uh, you know, obviously on your website, looking at all the things you can do. And there are so many options uh, for the great outdoors. And of course, you have Lake Superior right there. Well, exactly. You know, a lot of folks consider us, you know, Canada's premier outdoor city uh, because of the fact that there's so many things that you can do so close to town or right in the city itself. We are, you know, the largest city on Lake Superior, on the edge of the world's largest contiguous boreal forest. So, you know, water activities like angling and paddling and sailing uh, are big draws. You know, there's a sailing charter, Zodiac tours of the harbor, you know, get people out exploring the lake. We're known as a mountain biking destination as well in the summer with lots of new trail development going on. So a lot more people are traveling with their bikes, they're traveling with their paddle boards, their canoes, their kayaks. And so Thunder Bay kind of makes a really great base camp for people that want to get out and play. Um, and then we have a very eclectic food scene here too. We're kind of known as a smaller city that has a strong farm to table scene. Uh, so we like people to get to get out and play hard in the outdoors and then reward themselves with just amazing drink options that we have uh, throughout the community as well. Yeah, there, and there's some really spectacular things that you can do there that you can't do in many other places. So I was looking at the sort of amethyst uh, farm. I think you can go pick amethyst, which is pretty, which I didn't know you could do, but sounds like quite an experience. It's fun. It's a great family experience as well. So uh, there's a few amethyst mines out in the area just outside of, of Thunder Bay, amethyst uh, is Ontario's uh, provincial stone. And so, yeah, you can go and pick your own amethyst, and, and uh, that's a, a fun experience. Fort William Historical Park uh, this year, a uh, major historical attraction here in the community. They're celebrating their 50th anniversary this year uh, with a big rendezvous gathering in uh, in early July. So they're expecting hundreds of uh, reenactors, historical reenactors from the early 1800s to, to be here in the city. And that's another really fun family experience uh, to bring the kids out to and to experience and explore. Tell me a bit about the Niagara of the North, because that sounds tempting, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, Kekebeka Falls. So the second highest waterfalls in Ontario uh, after Niagara is located just outside of Thunder Bay as well. So Niagara Falls, uh, I mean, Kekebeka Falls is uh, located just about a short half hour drive west of the city uh, on Highway 1117. And that's a really popular provincial park for people. And and uh, and that's, you know, another interesting point is that we're, we're that base camp to a lot of uh, very interesting uh, provincial and national parks that are, are close to the city. Uh, so in addition to Kekebeka Falls, it's a very popular day park for people. Uh, but Sleeping Giant Provincial Park, which is uh, out in the harbor, it's a peninsula out on Lake Superior, and uh, it has some of the highest cliffs in Ontario. And it's a very popular place for people to go out hiking, camping, mountain biking, uh, and and exploring the shores by by uh, kayak as well. So uh, you know, there's a lot of outdoor experiences, activities that are in the city that are accessible right in the city or uh, close by. And and Paul, I mean, I gather the the great outdoors is really what you want to see when you're there. But there's a lot to do indoors as well. There's some cool museums. I know the Thunder Bay Art Gallery has some great Indigenous art, and uh, the Thunder Bay Museum seems to be a favorite too because it's in a former police station, which is kind of cool. 
Well, that's correct. You know, there's a lot of, of great indoor experiences as well. And, you know, we're one of the sunniest cities, uh, you know, in uh, in Canada. Really? Uh, but uh, on the days, yes, on, on the days uh, where the weather does turn a little bit, uh, the Thunder Bay Art Gallery has one of Canada's largest collections of Indigenous woodland art. And the Thunder Bay Museum, uh, located um, in, in the city's South Core, in the city's Fort William neighborhood, talks about the history of Thunder Bay uh, from a um, settler perspective, but it also tells the story of Thunder Bay from a pre-contact perspective as well. And so, you know, Thunder Bay is on the traditional lands of Fort William First Nation and uh, signatories to the Robinson Superior Treaty. So we have a really strong connectivity to Indigenous culture here in Thunder Bay. And that's something that's evident in, you know, the gallery collections. But there's also a number of Indigenous-owned businesses and Indigenous cultural businesses in Thunder Bay uh, that represent a number of artists. So for people that are looking for handcrafted items, uh, there's a number of galleries to, that they can visit and, and artisans uh, throughout the community that, um, you know, something that's great to do on a rainy or sunny day. And you have some other stuff you were talking about as too for sort of family stuff that you could, that you could do if the weather, not to suggest the weather's not, not going to be great, but there's other things you could do indoors as well. Oh, completely. You know, there's Cinema 5 Skateboard Park, so a brand new indoor skateboard park opened in a former uh, cinema uh, a couple of months ago. And that's great for, uh, you know, uh, skateboarders of all ages, all skill levels. Everybody's welcome. Very inclusive um, uh, setting uh, for folks there. Uh, and then there's a Boulder Bear Climbing Gym. So we have an indoor climbing gym here in Thunder Bay for people that uh, can't get out on the rock faces. They can get indoors and explore and experience uh, some indoor rock climbing here in the community. And once again, that's something that's really family friendly as well, uh, because rock climbing and uh, in the winter, ice climbing uh, are really popular uh, draws for visitors to our area as well. There are hundreds and hundreds of rock routes within a 90 minute drive of the city that are all mapped out for climbers. So there's a lot of things to kind of keep people engaged here in the uh, in the community. Right. We, we have a statue of Terry Fox here where I am in Victoria at mile zero. But, uh, you know, people who know the history of Terry Fox's incredible marathon of hope can also pay tribute to a great Canadian in Thunder Bay where where more or less, the, you know, unfortunately, the, the, the marathon of hope came to an end. But you have a great tribute to Terry in the town. Yes, we do. Yeah, the Terry Fox Monument is also our uh, major um, uh, visitor center here for the community, and it's located on Highway 1117, uh, just east of the city. And uh, yeah, it's a very popular destination uh, for for all for people from around the world. Uh, there is a statue of Terry that kind of commemorates the area near where he had to unfortunately finish his run uh, in 1980, and uh, and that is a popular draw. It's open seven days a week, and uh, visitors from all over the world uh, come to pay homage to to Terry's memory and his legacy. And, uh, and visit the center. And, and uh, from there, they have sweeping views of the harbor and of the city. So great lookouts, great vistas from the, uh, the monument as well. And that really helps whet people's appetite who are new to the city about what there is to see and do in the city. So it kind of connects them to the lake and to the city from the, uh, the lookouts at the visitor center so, uh, and the monument. So that's something that's a very, very popular attraction. What do you recommend for people coming in just in terms of accommodation? Do you have to plan in advance? Um, I, I know there's probably lots of camping you can do. What, what, are some of the, what, is some, what are some of the advice you can give to people who are thinking of stopping by? Well, lots of options in Thunder Bay. So, uh, you know, we do recommend with the summer season being a, such a busy season that uh, people do book ahead. I uh, do recommend if, you, if you're looking for a hotel or motel stay, a lot of the major brands are represented here in Thunder Bay, including Waterfront, out by the airport, over by the university and, and uh, college area. Uh, always recommend trying to book ahead for those. Uh, we have a boutique hostel uh, in Thunder Bay that's really well regarded for people that like the hosteling experience. 
And for those that like to camp, we have some great campgrounds within the city and others, you know, within the provincial parks that are uh, that are just outside of the city as well. So Trowbridge Park is a, is a municipal campground, only a 10 minute drive from there to the downtown waterfront district. And so it's uh, this fantastic wilderness park along the, the current river uh, that's great for RVing, great for camping. It's got, you know, electrified spots, water hookups, and it's really close to downtown and uh, adjacent to the 70 kilometers of mountain bike trails within the Shunia Mines mountain bike um, uh, area. So uh, lots of options for people depending on, on how they like to stay when they travel. Well, Paul, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time to uh, fill us in on a stop in Thunder Bay this summer. That's fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Ben, and I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to share Thunder Bay with you uh, with your listeners. Our next stop, because we were just in Thunder Bay on the shores of Lake on Lake Superior in the last segment, and from the massive Lake Superior, we head now to the shores of the smaller but still incredibly impressive Lake Winnipeg. When you hear the name Gimli, the first thing you probably think of is the largest Icelandic community in the world outside of Iceland itself. The community was founded in 1875 by Icelandic settlers, and the name, uh, I've read this, so correct me if I get it wrong, is in Norse mythology, Gimli is the southern end of heaven, and it means heavenly abode, and it is a heavenly place. It, just 90 kilometers or so north of Winnipeg, uh, it is much more than a cultural visit, though, this summer. There are tons of beaches, uh, a film festival, and this year, as I mentioned uh, before the break, a big anniversary. Back in July of 1983, an Air Canada Boeing 767 on its way from Montreal to Edmonton ran out of fuel and made an emergency landing without warning at a former Air Force base in the community that had been turned into a racetrack. Now, thankfully, no one was seriously hurt, either on the plane or on the ground, and the plane became known as the Gimli Glider. There's a museum there devoted to the story, and there's lots going on this year uh, around the anniversary on the 23rd of July. To guide us through all of this is Alan Silima. He's tourism coordinator for the rural municipality of Gimli. Thanks for your time. Welcome to the A Little More Conversation Roadshow. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, summer's always, I mean, I, I gather it's busy year round in Gimli, but summer's a, a particularly busy time for you. Tell me a bit about, I mean, everyone thinks Icelandic heritage, of course. So tell me what's going on this summer around that, that uh, those dropping in might be able to take advantage of. Well, we always have the new Iceland Heritage Museum as located in the Waterfront Centre, but we also have our annual Icelandic Festival of Manitoba. It happens August 4th to 7th. It's a huge event. Wonder Shows is here. There's fireworks. Best thing for information is go right to their website or their Facebook page, the Icelandic Festival of Manitoba. It lists everything happening. And you do have, I mean, I didn't realize that Gimli has a film festival as well, which is which is also a big deal. Yeah, the, the Gimli International Film Festival has been going on for many years now. And it's multiple venues, different events happening throughout the week. To me, one of the coolest things is the sunset screenings right on the beach in Gimli. You pull up your lawn chair, you sit back and you enjoy a movie right out over the lake. It's a very cool experience. It's something everybody should come out and enjoy. You mentioned it more than once, but for those who may not know, uh, Gimli's a beach town. And, and one doesn't always think of, of parts of Manitoba as being a beach town, but it is. We have beautiful beaches in Gimli. We have a beautiful marina. There's uh, The beach is spread for a long, long beach. There's lots. We can put thousands of people on our beaches here in Gimli. It's a very big beach. There's more, there's quieter areas, there's busier areas. So you can, you can find, everybody can find what they want here in Gimli if you're looking to go to the beach. 
what can you do in and around Gimli? So say you want to be there for a few days. Maybe you want to check out some stuff. You want to check out the beach. You want to check out the museum. Maybe you're there during the festival. Maybe you're not during one of the big festivals. What can you get to in and around, uh, in and around the community that is also worth seeing? Well, there's always something happening in Gimli. Every single weekend, all summer long, we have an outdoor stage where we feature live bands every Saturday night, sometimes Sundays, depending on the long weekend. On this past Canada Day weekend, we had bands Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. Just bring your lawn chair and sit up in front of the stage and enjoy their free show. We have, we have amazing restaurants, outdoor patios, ice cream galore, because everybody loves to have ice cream in the summertime. Our, our, our marina and our seawall, is, it's a very long seawall. It's a beautiful walk. The seawall is covered in, in uh, paintings that have been done over many, many years ago of images of Gimli. And the Gimli Art Club has members that keep repairing and touching up these paintings all along the seawall. And that's a very, very long, enjoyable walk for people. They come out here quite often for that. There's also a Gimli Car, car Club as a car show on July the 9th. There's uh, the Rotary Lobster Fest coming up July the 15th. Lobster Fest. I didn't know you had lobster up there. Well, they're <laughs> Lake Winnipeg lobster. No, they're flowing in from the East Coast. Of Our course. Rotary Club does this every year. That's um, we have idea. the MS Bike Tour comes here August 26th and 27th. We have uh, outdoor markets, indoor markets. There's... So many things happening. You'd have to go to Gimli.ca or our Facebook page, Gimli Tourism, uh, to see the full list of events happening. We'd spend two hours here talking about it on the radio, so you'd probably want me to shut up eventually. No, not at all. Though no, this is—I uh, mean, there's so much to do. I think that's what's so great about it, and it's—and it's relatively—it's—it's it's, um, a manageable size too. So, so you can kind of park your car and get around, right? Yes, you can park and walk around. There's also—we do have just on the outskirts of town. There's also a uh, like a drag racing track out there too which is extremely popular on the weekends. Winnipeg Sports Car Club is out here almost every single weekend doing racing and, and time trials, things like that. We have a bowling alley. There's all kinds of fishing in the area. There's there's chartered tours out of the marina, so you can actually you know, hop on a boat and be taken out onto Lake Winnipeg. The fishing here, summer and winter, is phenomenal. And uh, there's so many things to do. And we have a lot of service clubs like uh, Kiwanis, uh, Rotary, the uh the the lions things like that in our community and they're always doing things as well we have a a 55 plus new horizons community where they run different events fairs things like that as well targeting their 55 plus crowd there's so many things doing gimli you know plus we also have healthcare, everything else a lot of people will come out here and spend you know weeks months at a time in the summer Right. And this is a big year. Uh, 2023 is a big year, too, because it's a very special anniversary. I mean, special. It, it is one of the pinnacle moments in Gimli's modern history back on July 23rd, 1983, a story known as the Gimli Glider. And this was the famous Air Canada plane that ran out of fuel and had to touch down at the old Air Force Base there. Uh, what's planned for that this year? Because that, that must be a big deal that people still talk about it, I understand. Yeah, it's been a, it's a very big topic of conversation around here for many, many years. Pretty big thing on the news. And like I've talked to people who were here that day and they were actually out on the, on the runway when the plane was coming down because again, it was a racetrack as well back then. So it was, it's a lot of stories of people were out there for the day and they were enjoying the day. And all of a sudden here comes this great big plane looking for a place to land. Yeah. Tell um, me a 767, no less. Tell me what's going on this year to mark the 40 years. Well, they're, it's their 40, as you know, it's their 40th anniversary. So they're planning uh, a bit of a gala here that week, uh, the weekend of July uh, 21st to 23rd. They're going to be having a uh, meet and greet 
on July 22nd at 6.30 and then a dinner at 7 o'clock. There'll be a live band there. They're going to have Captain Bob Pearson, the pilot, and other special guests here for that. Tickets are selling actually quite quickly for that, but you can still get tickets uh, available. Go to the Gimli Glider website. There's information there on how to uh, get your tickets. Or you can email us here at tourism at rmgimli.com, and I can send you the information as well. Well, Alan, it sounds like you, you have a busy summer ahead of you. Thank you so much for filling us in on uh, what's going on in and around Gimli this summer. Oh, thank you for having me. We appreciate all the promotion we can get. We continue our journey westward now with a stop in what is certainly one of the busiest places in the country every single summer, Stampede City. The name says, says it all. But a visit to Calgary over the summer months and into the fall is usually about a whole lot more than what is often called the greatest outdoor show on Earth during those 10 days in July. And this year brings a wealth of other things you can do. There are all kinds of festivals happening. You can hit the water, you can zip line, you can luge if that, that's the kind of thing you want to do. Obviously, you can head to the mountains. That's that's a must-do. Or you can hit one of the many UNESCO World Heritage Sites within striking distance of the city, including Head Smashed in Buffalo Jump and Dinosaur Provincial Park, all of them great. Um, again, a long list of things to do and to walk us through at least some of them and some advice on how to plan your trip or even some good tips if you're already there or nearby. I just want to plan a little staycation this summer. I'm joined by Cindy Aidy. She's CEO of Tourism Calgary. Uh, thank you, Cindy. Welcome to our road trip. Oh, happy to be here. It's. I get the impression we've been speaking to a lot of people across the country. Uh, I get the impression one of the, the constants is that tourists are back. I mean, people have come back in a big way this year. Yeah. It, you know, it's so interesting uh, when you look at what they were forecasting. They were telling us we wouldn't be back till 2019 numbers till 2024. Well, guess what? <laughs> we're way ahead of schedule. And so, you know, it's just pacing really, really well. It came back really strong and really fast. It really did. Which is which is great news for, for Calgary, but also it, it can be a little bit tough if you're a tourist just hope, planning on dropping in, right? Uh, but so much going on in the summer. And I guess the big one, the greatest outdoor show on earth, of course, is coming up imminently now. And uh, I gather it's going to be a big popular one this year as well. Oh, there's just such a vibe in the air. I mean, last year's stampede exceeded expectations for sure. When I looked at hotel occupancy for last year, it was at 90%, which is virtually full, right? And this year, the pace is just hotter and faster. That's the only way I can describe it. And so already we're we're looking at, you know, like night show tickets, rodeo tickets. They're ahead of pace um, from where they were in 2019. So all indications that we see out there tell us it's going to be a great stampede yeah and, and you have a lot of variety i mean for people who think it's it's um the stampede of 40 years ago there's an awful lot going on at the stampede now that's uh, that it appeals to all kinds of tastes well you know what and every year i have to go and see where i'm going to be surprised right what, what are the surprises <laughs> and i've been going and i'm a faithful stampede attender let me tell you but every year i go to find out what's new what's cool you know, I enjoy the different music venues and, you know, they're constantly thinking about how to expand. And this year, if you go and you stand under what's going to be the largest convention center in Western Canada, you're going to be in awe of the size of that building. It doesn't open till next year, but man alive, you, you can't miss it on the Stampede Grounds this year. 
Well, you build everything big in Calgary. We know. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah, we, know. we know. We uh, know. And 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 I guess I guess for people, I mean, it's coming up. It's imminent. But uh, from July seventh to sixteenth. But I guess people can still go if they want, right? There's still things you can go do if you want to make a last minute trip to Calgary to see it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's always you know, and like hotels are mostly telling me they're 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 reaching about an eighty percent occupancy right now, which is kind of on pace, right? We're still a week out. Um, but I do think we'll get to the 90 percentile again. I do. And maybe even exceed it. But oh, yeah, no, it's lots of people make these decisions at the last minute. I think that's the fun of Stampede, too. Right. You can just get up one day and it's hot weather. and You go, let's go to Stampede. And so always opportunities, lots and lots of opportunities. Yeah. And lots of cool bands this year, too. I was just looking through you have Jimmy yeah. Eats World, and Social Scene, Tegan and Sarah. I mean, again, it's not just people might have this preconceived notion of what what's at the Stampede. And it's far broader than that now. Uh, it's, it it's got a good frame, but then they really do a good job of, of filling in the edges of it. And what's great, too, is the whole city runs in and plays. Right. So you can find pancake breakfasts anywhere in the city. Right. <laughs> if you just someone says, go on the app and find out where the pancake breakfast is. I just go drive down the street. Open your eyes. You'll see a lineup. Get in it. That's great. You know, that's the game. That's the and, game. And so. of course, we, we haven't talked about all the all the wild food they'll have this year. You know, the usual what <laughs> the bizarre food that the Stampede has. Not to I know that the Stampede tends to be the big deal festival wise over the yeah. summer, but there are many others too. I was looking down. There are you have a big Latin festival. There's lots going on. That's that's sort of what you know. There are things for everyone over the course of the summer after the Stampede is done and dusted. Well, you know what the Stampede kind of kicks off our summer in a real way, right? I mean, Sled Island um, festivals just are happened but stampede is the big moment where it kicks it off and then we move into what is a really great summer schedule like we've got chasing summer we've got um, country thunder the international blues festival and a really great one in august this year the great outdoor comedy festival so for all kinds of tastes all kinds of looks from a festival perspective out at princess island they are just booked and and it's hard to wedge anything else in so lots to do and when people say to me I, I don't know what to do i have guests coming in what will i do and i go don't underestimate what's going on in the city right at this moment or when your guests are here and one of the best things to do is just google visitcalgary.com and go onto the visitor hub we even have you know live chat where they'll help you they'll help you figure out what's going on or you can watch it in the digital space but no it's very very active in the summer here very active and if you feel like maybe getting away from maybe you've had a big night out and you've been around a bunch of crowds, I realize there's a lot to do on the water in and around Calgary, which also yeah. people who haven't spent a lot of time there might not know. Well, I was just in Europe, you know, obviously doing some sales missions there. And I was telling I was telling them that we are the third best city in the world for brown fish fly fishing. And really? they go, you have fly fishing? I go, we have rivers. It's some of the best fly fishing trout in the world. And so, and then you can go and I mean, you can go to different places. And what I love about our rivers is you can look at them, you can see boats and, and, you know, people in floaties. And I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in the water. And if you know a little bit, you know, don't want to go so hard, you can go to Bonus Lagoon where you can rent canoes and kayaks and paddle boats. And it's, it's still water. You're not in the river at that point in time. So yes, lots and lots of opportunity. In fact, we have one of the largest uh, trail systems around the rivers and around Calgary in North America. Right. Really great pathway trail systems. And I think that's the thing people kind of forget about us a little bit is that we've got great, great outdoor opportunities here. Right. Biking, too, I noticed. I mean, obviously, with the trails, yep. you can do a lot of biking yeah. as well and hiking and all that stuff without leaving yeah, the city. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think there was something like eight 
thousand kilometers or hectares of parkland within the city. Obviously, we're parked up against the Kananaskis and and Banff, which is great. But just inside the city, we have eight thousand hectares of parkland. Now, a lot of that got discovered really during the pandemic, right? Everybody wanted outside. Right. And they really started to use the pathway systems in the park. And there was almost this rediscovery of, of you know, because we used to talk about it all the time and a lot of people weren't using it. And now they are. They learned how and they're continuing to use it. Cindy Aidy is with us this half hour on our A Little More Conversation annual Canada Day road trip. We've gone from east to west. We're in Calgary right now, a city where there's always a lot going on in the summer. We can think of the stampede clearly, but lots of other uh, festivals as well as lots to do on the on the rivers, uh, lots of paths to bike and hike on. Uh, Cindy, I was noticing, of course, that, you know, the old Olympic site, you can still do a couple of things that I don't think I'll ever do, which is zip line and <laughs> luge. But you can do both those things. And you have you have some pretty awesome sites in Calgary for both of those. Uh, maybe maybe well, certainly luging is not your everyday experience. So I, I will confess I have been on the zip line. It's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. I have not been on that luge track because I don't want to wear the luge suit, but uh, you don't have to. Do you have to but wear a suit? No, you don't have to. But yeah, that was a little bit beyond my, you know, abilities. But they do have downhill karting that comes down some of those uh, ski runs. Fun. My kids love it. And so you you can get on a cart and it's 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 called Skyline Luge Calgary. It's high speed adventure, 1800 meters of track with purpose built carts. My kids love it. It's just beyond my skill level. Um, but they love going there. And they even have a mini golf course there, 18 hole mini golf course over at um at Windsport. So yeah, lots to do. And I mean, we haven't even talked about all the different other assets that the city has with Callaway Park and Heritage Park. And the zoo's got a lot of really cool new things that uh to do in it. Um, as well as, you know, obviously Spruce Meadows is gonna gear up and have lots of activities out there. So there's lots of partners out there that have venues that are fully open this year with so many different assets and things to do for people. But yeah, if you're an adventuresome type, and like I told you, my boys love it. That downhill karting is fun. Yeah, I think I'll take a pass on the plotting. <laughs> it looks like fun, <laughs> you don't have to wear the loose suit. You don't have to wear the loose suit. No, exactly. And everyone knows. I mean, Calgary's a great jump-off point too. If you want to take a day trip, uh, you know, to Banff or 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 to any number of places there, UNESCO heritage sites near you, and so on. So that's something you can look at doing if you want to stay a little bit longer as well. Well, and, and I mean, that's one of the things we always talk about, that Calgary is central to five UNESCO heritage sites. That's a lot of UNESCO heritage sites. When you think of Banff and you think of Waterton and Head Smashed In Buffalo. And I mean, to sit in the space where you can actually day trip out an hour or two to get there and then back into the city at night for nightlife, that makes it pretty special. And a lot of people, when we send them those kinds of itineraries, love them. And they'll sit in Calgary and do different day trips and then spend a night in Calgary and do some more fun things. And so you don't have to stay in the city. You can also use it to day trip out of. One thing I've been hearing a lot of this year is because there's demand and things changed a little bit, you know, as the pandemic, uh, you know, came and went somewhat, uh, is that booking in advance has become a bit of a bigger thing. Now, should people be planning if they want to come and do those trips? Do they need to plan a bit more in advance than maybe they would have five, 10 years ago? Um, you know, there's been some compression up in, obviously, the mountain parks, right? They During the pandemic, got really, really a lot of traffic in them. And so I would plan ahead for those. But places like Head Smashed in Buffalo and the other UNESCO heritage sites, Dinosaur Provincial Park, you don't need to book, but I would always check, right? Right. Um, because it really eases that that anxiety of can we do it, can't we do it? But for sure, if, you're, if you want to head up into mountain parks and those things, you do need to check ahead. 
right? And I suppose people can, there's lots of service providers. If you don't feel like driving up there and driving back yep. and just sort of having, let someone else do that for you. There's lots of service providers who can do that. That And I always say to people, don't forget there's buses that go up there. Don't forget, <laughs> you don't have to drive your car. Lots of people choose to out of Calgary, but a lot of our guests will, will um, use uh, Pursuit, really great bus service that goes up into all those, up to Lake Louise and even up as far as Jasper. So great opportunities where you don't have to do the driving if you don't want to. In terms of accommodation, uh, you were mentioning earlier that it's it's busy. It's not pa- it's yes. not full up, but it's getting there. Right. Yep. It's getting close. And, and one of the recommendations I always make is if you really, really wanted to go to Banff and you looked up there and it's pretty full and you can't find, you know, the west side of Calgary has a whole series of hotels. You can check into the west side of Calgary and be up in Banff 60, 70 minutes, right? Wow. It's not that far. Um, lots of people have this impression it's much further. And so don't forget to check and see if you can stay, you know, in Calgary and day trip up to Banff even. You can if it's if it's overbooked and you can't find the spot that you wanted up there. And for those who are looking to camp, for instance, I've been asking this of everyone as well. It depends on the, on the place, but that's been really popular, right? So, but there are, I know, I know lots of facilities in and around Calgary and in the parks. And the, and the other thing to always remember is that there are some really popular campsites, but we have an online camping booking system now. And right. I mean, I used to be the park minister. And so yes. I happen to know how many parks there are out there. And so don't be afraid to discover or go and try out some of the others if some of the really popular ones are full, because they're great. And you can go online, you can see your camp spots, you can book it through. It's really simple and, and easy to do. But I mean, there were 500 or 405, you know, camp, you know, parks when I was minister. And I don't remember how many campgrounds, but go onto the site and look because lots of availability. And, you know, everyone tries to ram into the same tent. Don't do that. Go out and discover something else. Yeah, get off the beaten path a little bit. You'll probably, you probably won't regret it. Well, and I always say there's a lot of aha moments. You can go down to Dinosaur Provincial Park and go, I had no idea we had hoodoos, right? Who knew? Right. And so that's like I say, you know, the day trip opportunities are there. The camping opportunities are there. There's so much to do. And you can really use Calgary as home base. Well, Cindy Eighty, thank you so much. Thank you. And now here we are in the Okanagan in Kelowna. We've arrived in BC for the last two stops on our cross-Canada journey. And there are many other places in the country that provide the kind of summer fun and entertainment that you get in the sunny Okanagan Valley. You can lounge on the beaches around Okanagan Lake, hit the water or the bike trails. And then there are the surrounding vineyards and orchards. Maybe cherry picking is your thing, or perhaps putting your feet up and enjoying one of the many wineries is more your speed or all of the above in July, the across the lake swim celebrates 75 years. And if you're there in mid August, you can take in the rock, the lake festival, which is a huge rock festival right in Kelowna. So to help us navigate this part of our road trip, I'm joined by Lizanne Ballantyne. She is the CEO of tourism Kelowna. Thanks for your time. Welcome to our road trip. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, One thing that's become pretty clear from talking to lots of different parts of the country as we move out west is that tourists are back in a big, big way. Now, I know Kelowna is kind of a four-season destination, uh, but wow, you must be seeing lots of people there this year as well. We are. It is absolutely in peak tourism season right now, and uh, we're expecting many more. Tell me a bit about the summer, because I I know that you can go to your neck of the woods anytime you'd like, but summer is a really special time of year because there's lots going on. There's lots flourishing there, literally. Literally flourishing. Well, the number one reason and probably the first thing people think about for coming to Kelowna is the fact that 
we are a huge wine region. So we already have over 40 wineries. We've got 20 breweries and sideries and distilleries. So that alone could make up for a full week of touring for people who like the culinary arts and fine wine. Now, you, you mentioned that in the past, and I guess because of just the way things have changed, that you used to be able to just kind of wander in and out as, as you please. But now you have to plan a little bit when you want to do the winery tours, especially. And we're finding the pandemic changed a lot of things and sometimes for the good. The wineries now are asking for reservations, which means that you get a much better experience. You're not trying to elbow your way up to a tasting bar here anymore. You're actually getting a one-on-one experience with a, a professional wine taster, a sommelier, and you're hearing about the the wines and the vines and how they were grown and what each and every different story is at each and every winery. So it's it's really a much richer experience now. And if wine isn't your thing, you mentioned cider and beer as well. It's all there. Kelowna has this exploding area we're calling the brewery district where we've got uh, craft cideries, distilleries, uh, Cannery Row. It's uh, it's right downtown, literally steps from the lakefront, and it's becoming a huge tourism attraction. One thing I've noticed, too, is that the UPIC is, I mean, when you think of UPIC, I grew up in Montreal, so UPIC was sort of limited to apples, right? <laughs> Whereas in Kelowna, or in and around the Okanagan, you've got, you've got uh, a real bounty, real bounty in the summer. We do. We do have a, a huge fruit and harvest, almost tourism sector set up here. And, and I think that's because we have everything from cherries to apricots to nectarines. And it's something uh, we're, we've been known for right across Canada for, for many years now. You, you were telling me it gets, it gets pretty competitive. <laughs> Tell me a bit about that. I was trying to picture sort of people running at each other with, with baskets, you know, but I'm sure it's not nearly that, uh, that bruising. It's close. It, it is a bit competitive. It's probably one of the number one questions people ask at our visitor center throughout the summer is when are the cherries going to be ripe? When do the apricots come in? Uh, how do we get to the best nectarines? Who's Who's got the, the best orchards? And uh, people can get very competitive. They, they want to get the best. They want to get it quickly and right at peak season. I know it must be warm to go picking, to go, you know, this is labor, right? Uh, do 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 people need to be prepared a little bit for a day out picking picking fruit? Well, people definitely need to be uh, prepared. We are in a semi-arid climate here. Although we're next to that huge, gorgeous uh, lake, uh, it does get very hot here during the summer. And we're finding people are so much more sun smart these days than they were back uh, back when we were kids, right? Uh, everyone is uh, buying hats, uh, covering up with SPF and staying hydrated, whether they're up on our hiking trails or, or down by the lake for the day. You brought up the lake, which is always a big attraction too. If you know, if if uh, if picking fruit is something you only want to do for a day or so, or go see a winery, uh, Okanagan Lake is also a big deal. What, tell me a bit about uh, what's going on there this summer. Oh my gosh! Well, everything's about the lake here, and it's a very long lake, but it's also very accessible lake, which I think is unique to this area. Um, there's actually um a, what we're, we call a paddling trail along the lake. So if you're not in motorized crafts. There are ways that you can get on your kayak, on your paddleboard, in your canoe, and get along the entire, almost half circumference of the lake. And most people here are ready to rent a paddleboard or go out and rent a kayak at lots of the attraction areas and rentals we have down by the lake. And we've got over 30 beaches, if you can believe it, to swim here and, and soak up the sun. That's a lot of beaches. Plus, there's there's some some provincial parks around you as well. 
There are provincial parks here, and that's exciting for people who want uh, a real variety level of hiking. It's also uh, a new attraction we're finding for cyclists. So we've got provincial parks that can take an adventure cyclist, but we also have provincial park and protected areas where you and your family could go on a um, a very flat, really unique ride. Uh, we, we're actually on the what's called the old Kettle Valley Railway Trail, or uh, some people uh, have heard it called the Okanagan Rail Trail. And that has become one of our top tourist attractions here year round to pedal your bike on. Yeah, and, and there's some big stuff going on in town too. I know, I know the specifics. Sometimes there's lots of different organizing committees in each community, but I think it's the 75th anniversary of the Across the Lake swim in uh, in mid July, which is seems like kind of a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, the lake, believe it or not, is swimmable. People train all year, and the 75th anniversary of the Across the Lake swim uh, is showing it with the numbers, from what I understand it. And uh, really, it's a, a, an exciting thing to watch happen. Hundreds of people from you know nine to ninety have been training all year for the Across the Lake swim, and a couple of those swims happen uh, here throughout the summer. As you mentioned earlier, though, just I mean, I, I gather these days, even when it comes to accommodation and so on, you sort of have to plan ahead these days if you're going to go to a, a spot that's popular. You do. And I think we're seeing that right across Canada. The campground industry has changed. People have to book far further in advance. And, and, and that's fair. And accommodations as well, whether you're going into a traditional hotel setting or a short term rental, uh, you definitely, especially this time of year, have to have to book ahead and and make sure it's uh, the type of accommodation you want waiting for you at the end of your trip in. Yeah, you mentioned the camping, right? Which I know in BC is very popular because of the you know the good weather and so on. But that's something obviously you have to plan in advance. Is there camping? I know in the provincial parks you can, but is there other campsites in and around uh, the community? There are, and the, the best thing to do is, uh, depending on, of course, what area of the province you're going to be in, is to check at the campground websites. You can literally type in uh, BC campgrounds and get all kinds of information. Or um, I always encourage people to check with the destinations visitor center. Those are the experts. They've got their pulse on what if what campgrounds are open, which which ones offer what kind of amenities, and and they can give you a much better up to date uh, feeling of uh, what might be open on the dates you're looking for. Sounds like it's going to be a busy summer. I wish you and everyone who works there the best, Lizanne Valentine. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. And we're going to make our way now to our final destination, about as far west as you can get in this country, Victoria on Vancouver Island. Victoria was long and perhaps somewhat affectionately called the home of the newlywed and the nearly dead. But that was then. BC's capital still retains all its old charms, the ocean, the beaches, although the water is pretty chilly. Watch out. But it's also turned into a pretty hip Pacific Northwest kind of place as well these days. Uh, there is a tech industry. It's filled with brew pubs, good places to eat. And there are many wineries not too far from Victoria as well. Uh, to guide us through our final stop on this Canada Day road trip is Astrid Chang. She's executive, executive director of corporate communications and community relations at Destination Greater Victoria. Astrid, thank you so much for your time and welcome to our last stop on the road trip. Thank you for having me today. Well, we're, summer's in full swing. It feels like um, like this has been consistent across the country. Tourists are back. I mean, there's lots of people everywhere this summer. 
Absolutely. And Victoria's Inner Harbor is definitely buzzing. That's something that I've personally witnessed just at the, the waterfront and through downtown over the last several days. We're hearing great performances from the street performers. The food trucks are out. Lots of visitors taking selfies and family photos, making those memories with the iconic attractions in the background behind them. So uh, really great to see so many people having a good time in downtown Victoria, enjoying our city. And, and lots of, I mean, people think of Victoria for its prettiness and for its, uh, obviously it's on the water and so on. So people think about whale watching and all those things and, and some of the older buildings and the history of it and so on. Uh, but there's a lot of festivals here in the summer as well. And they kind of kick off uh, a little bit earlier with Jazz Fest, which is, which is wrapping up. But there are a lot of, um, a lot of other things going on throughout the rest of the summer and into the, into, into September. Absolutely. And and festivals really do bring a vibrancy to the, the heart of Greater Victoria, the community. The lineup's great again this year. We have early July, the Pride Parade's July 9th, and that is going to be through downtown Victoria. We're expecting about 40,000 spectators, 100 colorful entries, all the way winding through downtown Victoria. And it's a really uh, friendly, fun, family-oriented event. So that's one to keep an eye out for uh, through early July. We've also got the Victoria Symphony and they always put on a fantastic performance for locals and visitors alike. And this year they've got a six day uh, lineup and this is called Symphony in the Summer Festival. So 50 musicians performing at five locations, 19 full hours of music to enjoy over that six day period. That's between July 27th and uh, August 5th. So that's one I'm looking forward to. Absolutely. Yeah. And then and then if if, if uh, heavier music's more your thing or popular music's more your thing, we have, there's a huge uh, festival coming up in September as well. Rifflandia is, uh, is a big yeah. one. Well, Rifflandia is uh, one of the most popular festivals, certainly on the West Coast of Canada. It actually started in 2008, and it's one of the longest running large scale music and arts festival in, in Western Canada. So we're in- excited to see the performers who are coming September 7th through to the 17th. So it takes place over two weekends and uh, some of the big names. I can share these with you because they're on their sure, website. Now, they by are, the way. yeah. I mean, I've looked Iggy at it. Pop. Iggy Pop, Iggy Pop's coming, yeah. Paris Hilton is coming to Victoria. <laughs> Indeed. Which is awesome. Yes. Salt and Peppa. I mean, yep. these are, are names that we know. They're from, I don't know. I, I was Old a big fan of Salt Peppa. Can Old I say that? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Push it. That was a great track. Yeah. That, that, right? and, that's a, it's, and it's a really cool festival as well that I've been to, obviously. Uh, now, now if, if, if festivals aren't as much of your thing, there's so many other things to do in and around Victoria. Because, of course, it's just outside of what is Vancouver Island's wine country. So you can actually sort of do wine tours here. And there's a big beer community. So if uh, you feel like a a tipple, it's a great spot to come to. For sure. And there are lots of people who love to explore the culinary side of Victoria's scene. And so one of the things that we're actively promoting right now is the flavor trails. This is a self-guided culinary tour, and you can find out more on our website, tourismvictoria.com. What it does is it highlights those exceptional foodie experiences in Greater Victoria and new this year through the Southern Gulf Islands. So people can explore urban and rural experiences. It showcases the growers, the makers, the chefs, the artisans, all the people who put together these beautiful menus and are you know, advice to people if they're coming to explore the flavor trails is to wear their stretchy pants because there is so much good food here. Uh, and it goes along with all those beverage experiences as well. So that's a fun one for maybe coming through uh, the summertime and into the early fall. 
people, of course, are always really excited about places like Tofino and Euclid, which are far away from Victoria. But if you a little closer to home, there are spots like Port Renfrew, which is only about you know an hour and a half or so from Victoria, that is right out there on on kind of that similar looking coast as well. Yeah, there are a lot of beautiful places to explore on Vancouver Island and, and attractions too. You know, you think um, just a few years ago there, uh, you would go up the Malahat and enjoy the views. Well, now there's the Malahat Skywalk. That's right. an attraction to visit. Um, heading out towards uh, the Port Renfrew areas. There are many fishing charters, great little spots to have something to eat if you're uh, doing a road trip, for example. And again, the Sandwich Peninsula as well. Uh, lots of different spots along the way there through Sydney, through Central Saanich to to enjoy for sure. Yeah, these are all places that aren't really too far. They're between the ferry terminal, the airport and the city, most of them. Um, right. And then there are, of course, the, the old go-tos like Butchart Gardens. I mean, I, there's, there's, there's a cruise ship terminal here. So you see the cruise ships coming on the weekend and everyone's sort of piling on these buses to head out to places like Butchart Gardens. But there are some real traditional uh, places of attraction, the Empress Hotel, for instance, that people like to come to and see as well. The The, the old standard, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. The afternoon tea at the Fairmont Empress is a must do thing when you come to Victoria. And, you know, if you haven't done it before and you come back, maybe try it this time or put it on the list for your next visit. Uh, but Butcher Gardens, certainly uh, a top spot to visit as well. There really are so many attractions now in the Victoria area. You mentioned whale watching. That's a great thing yeah. to do. The harbor ferries that dart back and forth in the Inner Harbor, those are great fun. There really is something for everyone, you know, kids, um, you know, moms and dads, those who are, are traveling in their golden years. There are so many great things for everybody to enjoy. And you get to see the ocean at almost every yes. turn. Astrid, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.